Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of the Press Plane Run Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Miller. Not quite sure how it happened, but we have reached the halfway point of the season, uh, with this being Episode 5. As usual, I'll be joined by a guest from the Everyday Running community and I'll get you straight over to that chat just as soon as I've brought you up to speed with a bit about mowing running and some of the things that we've got going on around the press playing run community and there is a lot going on. Running wise it's been by and large a bit more of the same, chipping away at my training. I've not had too much on the go race wise but I did have the Paisley 10k on Sunday so I had set out anybody who follows me on Instagram at Scottish underscore runner, shameless plug, well know that I'd kind of set my stall out and said I was going to go and have a real crack at that and I was hoping to run a sub 40 10k, it's been a, I've only done that once in a race before but my pace has been good this year, I've been training hard, so on the day I had a good run, all going really really well until 8 kilometers. well I'm actually talking rubbish, somebody crashed into my car in the car park uh, before we even started the race so it wasn't all going well, it was mostly going well but during the race itself, I was at 8k, going steady, was 5 seconds up on pace, on schedule. Had a bit of that hill on the canal path, MD that was running the race will know the, the bit. And stupidly convinced myself that I couldn't hold the pace and I actually stopped dead during the race. I don't know if I've ever done that before. Certainly not in a 10k or, or a 5k or any race of that sort of distance. But yeah, I stopped stopped running and I think I might have stopped for somewhere along the lines of about 20 seconds, 25 seconds, it's hard to figure out through the elapsed time in Strava but the upshot of it is that I cost myself the, the opportunity of a sub 40 and ended up running 40 minutes, 15 seconds which in and of itself is a fantastic time so no disappointment with the time but I was actually pretty disappointed myself for, um, for a pretty weak moment uh, mentally probably when I just got to the top of a hill and instead of just carrying on and catching my breath on the downhill and I was right at the very top of the hill, I, I don't know what I was thinking, a bit of self-sabotage. I could probably read into it and put myself on the therapist's couch, but I don't know. I don't know why I did it, but yeah, it, it put a wee bit of a dampener on on the performance on the day, but I had a great time. So many good people there. Travelled in with Alison and Mike. We met so many people from Newton Roadrunners and from the Press Play and Run podcast community. So... No negatives there, but I will be back for that race because it's doable. Sub 40 there is definitely doable. So that was Sunday. The rest of the week has really been gearing towards, I've not done very much running this week. I've treated it as a bit of a taper because I'm going into the Loch Ness 24 really this weekend. So I'm recording this on Wednesday night. You'll hear this from Thursday and I leave to go to Loch Ness a twenty four on Friday, so it's nearly there. I'm in no way organised. I basically got a tent. That's all I've done. I've not packed any gear. I've not thought about food, but I have tapered really, and I've been doing a wee bit of sort of carb loading this week. No real grand plan on the running. I'm running in a team of three, so I'm not really sure what kind of mileage I'm going to end up with. I've got in my head probably minimum marathon maximum 10 loops of a, I think it's a 7k odd loop, so 70k. I've never run anything like that. I've actually never run anything more than marathon distance. But on this relay format, it's obviously not continuous. Could be running single laps, double laps, will be doing some running through the night. More importantly, there is a great crowd going through here, 20 odd in our actual squad team broken down into smaller teams and a range of people from the running community and Instagram that are some of them running solo, some of them running in groups. So really, I'm just there for the jolly and the, and the social occasion. If somebody's not got a guitar and a good fire on the go, we riot. So that's going to take care of Saturday at 10 o'clock in the morning. That race starts right through to Sunday at 10 o'clock. I'll be then travelling home. And on Monday, I am going to meet Sarah Pendergrass. And again, if you've seen my Insta, you will have maybe seen me posting about Sarah's adventure. She's she has come from Australia, she's Scottish but lived in Australia for a number of years and she's come home to Scotland to take on a huge challenge of running Lighthouse to Lighthouse. She's calling it Light to Light and it's running from the southernmost lighthouse in Scotland to the northernmost lighthouse in Scotland via the via Lincoln Coastal Paths. So it's over 700 kilometres of running. Sarah is a, just a fantastic human being and she is 
an ambassador. I, I learned of her journey through Lululemon. She's a Lululemon ambassador in Australia. And through her store manager contacting Jenny, the store manager in Glasgow, they were asking what we might be able to do to have a bit of a, a link up and support. So it's grown arms and legs. I've had a couple of Zoom calls with Sarah. She's on her adventure already. She's updating. I've seen a couple of reels, a couple of days of updates. She's going very steady. But I'm going to be meeting her to do some running on Monday and have arranged to help her out with some accommodation stuff for the Monday evening. So spend a bit of time chatting. She's got some crew with her as well. Got her an indoor location for that night, so that'll be a rare night. She doesn't have to put the tent up. She'll be able to use a shower. She'll be able to hopefully eat a nice hot meal that she doesn't have to cook on some kind of temporary stove. So hoping to give her a wee bit of respite from the tent life, but just an absolutely brilliant human and I can't wait to connect with her and meet her and I'll be sure to put some of that onto stories and posts and, and, and let you kind of see what's happening on that front. Over the next couple of weeks, I've also signed up for the Run Right 5K. So David Wright, who's putting that event on, it's a new organisation. He's worked so hard to bring this race to the running community. He's worked with great sponsors. It looks like he's got a great route. I'm just hoping my legs are going to be in a position to actually go and run that. I told him at the time, I said, I'll sign up for it. I'll definitely be there. What capacity it will be in, I'm not quite sure. Because on the Sunday, again, I am doing the... Cumbernauld 10k but I'm pacing so my first ever time pacing at a, an event of that size I've paced part run before but I'm pacing 45 minutes at the Cumbernauld 10k so if you see a baldy guy with a big flag sticking out his back with 45 on it it's not my age it's the time I'll be running make sure you say hello come and say hi introduce yourself it'd be lovely to meet you if you're running in that event it's so much going on um and after Cumbernauld, I have nothing booked for the rest of the year, as far as I know, although I am partial to getting the odd email from a race organiser saying, here's your ticket for the thing that you forgot you, you signed up for, but to my knowledge, I don't have anything else after the Cumbernauld 10k, that's going to give me a bit more time to focus on some of the things I've got going on through Lululemon and getting ready for the London Marathon, so I'll be taking a break after that, I will be tailing my training off for a couple of weeks properly recovering from this next couple of weeks of really intense um, activity and then starting to turn my head towards what I need to do to make London Marathon the run that I want it to be because yes I'm there for the ceremony, the pomp being the biggest marathon in the world but also I want to do myself justice and I would like to improve on what I did in Edinburgh so there'll be no bones about that but there's target setting will happen down the road. Part of my focus at the moment is um, on fundraising so Whilst I'm not in training mode for London Marathon yet, I'm trying to get as much of the fundraising done as I possibly can and hoping to hit the target before I actually start the training block because I think that would just take the pressure off. To that end, I've had so much support from people individually through sponsorship, but also this is where Lululemon and Jenny, the store manager in particular, Amy as well, who I'm linked with very closely, have come into their own. They're supporting me to put on a run retreat in a similar vein to the Lululemon one that you'll have maybe heard me speaking about previously that we did back in March, you might have heard me talking to Sophia and Alison about it on an episode. That's going to bring together 30 people from the Press Play and Run community. I put the event into the Facebook group in a sort of pre-sale with 30 tickets available and it sold out in one day. So people are paying to come to that event. They're going to have a strength and mobility session for runners put on by the lovely Soph Runs Places from Instagram. And Sophie has very kindly donated her time. She's a qualified yoga instructor. And, and this is what I mean. The community have just rallied around to support me in every way possible. We're also going to have a run together and I'm going to do a live podcast uh, interview episode recording there, which I've never done an in-person one before. So that's going to be new figuring that out from a technical point of view and actually securing a guest daft enough to talk to me in front of a live audience. Can't say thank you enough for that selling out in a day. It's just unbelievable. And I know there are people that have since messaged me when I put the, the news up to say that it was gone in a day that hadn't even had the chance to see the poster, never mind get a ticket. So apologies if you're in that boat. Two things I would say to that. One, try and get yourself into the Press Plane Run Club space, which is on Facebook. If you just search for it there, you'll find it. And... The second one being, if the demand is there and I'm still in that fundraising mode, I, I'm not averse to putting a second one on in the new year when the weather turns. But the venue had a cancellation, which is why this one came around pretty quickly. It's, it's hard to secure that venue. And weather-wise, I didn't want to be taking it on in like the dead of winter in December. 
So that's going to happen in October and you'll hear much more about it. The other arm of the fundraising work that's been going on at the moment is to secure prizes for a raffle that I'm going to be having. And again, I've had more support than I could possibly have asked for. So a bit of a roll call here. I've had Healthy Body, Healthy Minds. They've agreed to give us some of their product and they do like CBD oils and BAMs for runners. I've had Dry Robe donating just the most unbelievable package. Dry, a Dry Robe itself and a couple of towels and a beanie hat. Kylo in the Wild gave me two pairs of absolute beautiful sunglasses, which I'm actually going to buy for myself as well because they're class and I wish I'd just ordered them for myself. Cooper Run Coach app, you know Pete's always been at my back. Since we had them on this podcast, they're donating t-shirts, they're giving me three-month um, codes for use of the app. I've also got Twisted Running are going to donate something, a piece of merchandise t-shirt for running. We've got race places for the likes of Blast Running, up-and-coming racing i've got a few race organizers actually donating places i've got big bobble hat giving his four hats as well to raffle off and elite cereal coming through with nutrition for on the day of the event itself so i've got so much to be grateful for and i've got so many of these brands um that are at my back and asking for nothing in return so it's not been they're giving me this and i have to do this ad they know i don't monetize the podcast they know i don't have um like ads inserted into the podcast, but I am absolutely going to share the products and their generosity because they're actually out there looking after runners from the community trying to do things for charity. They don't stand to particularly gain from it. Obviously, there's a wee bit of exposure that comes through this. I'm happy to give that quid pro quo if it gets us towards raising money for Place to Be Mental Health charity because they do outstanding work. They're at my back with this event as well. They've offered support, t-shirts, banners, uh, everything that we might need for the day to sort of publicise and, and socialise the word of what they do, offering mental health services directly in schools for staff and children. So there'll be much more about that. I really would like to get somebody from the charity on to have a 10-minute chat and give you a better sense of where this money is going and what it will do. They'll be able to articulate it from a different perspective than I will, and I don't want to bring my own experience too much to the fore on that because every school setting I'm sure is, is pretty different but it's been a bit of a juggle trying to keep my training going alongside all of this work but I knew this was part of the pressure I was taking on when you take on a charity place I've spoken about it it was one of the things that put me off but where I am now is I'm confident that we're going to get to this target I'm confident that we're going to have a brilliant day at this run retreat and hopefully we can build on that it's another community event it's bringing listeners together it's going to give us more opportunity just to have that connection, get the chance to know each other, and I can't wait to see you all. So that's definitely enough for me for now. That, that's absolutely plenty. I will fill you in on the next episode, at the beginning of the next episode, on what Loch Ness 24 has been like, how the run right 5k went, the Cumbernauld pacing, and most importantly on Sarah Pendergrass who I will be having on the podcast as a guest, hopefully after she's completed her challenge. I want to get her when she's greeting and emotional after covering 700k through wind and midges, because that seems to be the update so far. Very windy, very midgy, and not always at the same time. With the weekend rolling around, I hope you get out there and enjoy your runs. If you're racing, good luck. Go set it in fire. If you're just doing long running, casual running, whatever it is, get out there, get the trainers on, press play and run. By this stage, we know that our podcast guests love talking about running almost as much as running itself. Today's guest has gone one step further, quitting a city job in London to pursue a PhD in research identities of women in ultra running at the University of London. Her research and thinking have inspired articles and discussions in mainstream media, but perhaps more importantly, she's developing a knack for passing complex data and research into digestible content for the everyday runner to better understand their place in the sport we love. Welcome to Press Play and Run, Bethan Taylor-Swain. How are you, Bethan? Hi, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I'm very, very well, especially since I got through that in one go, so that was that was all right. <laughs> Bethan, you will be a familiar face, I am sure. I, I see your articles shared on my feed. I see your comments, your, your profile posts shared on my feed regularly. So could we just kick off with a, a bit of a brief background, first of all, just on your own running, when that started, the why? Yeah, so this is really interesting. It's a story that's kind of evolved as well. But in the sense of running now, I started in my late 20s and I was at a like, bit of a lost phase in life. I was working in the city. I was in a fairly unhappy relationship and I really needed a hobby. I just needed something to do. 
And I tried all sorts of things. Nothing was quite a fit. And the thing that I kept coming back to was you should go for a run. I was like, absolutely not. Why would anybody want to do that? Absolutely not. Kept trying other things like there's a baking phase and stuff like that, like stuff that really wasn't a great fit. Eventually, I was like, right, okay, I'm going to give it a go. I went out and it that was the moment my life changed. Running taught me so much about what I could do and what I could achieve. I refer to it as a light bulb moment. But without running, I there is no way I would be in the situation that I'm in now. It really, and I, I don't really like the word empowered, but it did empower me to realise what I was capable of doing. Kind of in more recent years, as I thought about it more, I actually realised I was running long before I claim I started running. Because, really? yeah, when I was like 15, 16, I was, I don't know if you've ever heard of World Challenge, these like expeditions that go off to far-flung places with teenagers okay for a month I, I was all signed up to do one of those through my school I was going to go to Ecuador well I did go to Ecuador and as part of that I was training and I was also really bad at PE I had notoriously just a bit crap my dad was a teacher at my school so he negotiated with the PE teachers that I could go for runs around Blenheim Palace which is kind of the nearest kind of big country park to where my school was so I used to go off cross country running on my own for a double period of PE so in lieu of doing other like team sports in lieu of like hockey and things like that because nobody needed that in their life yeah I used to go off as as endurance training for these for this expedition I was going on um and yeah I used to go and run around like sneak into Blenheim through a back gate, run rounds, go back to school. And I'd totally forgotten about it until really quite recently. So maybe it was always there. I, I don't know. But yeah, the official story is I started in my late 20s. Turned out I was quite good at it. I really enjoyed it. I found an amazing community through running and in turn tipped my life upside down quite dramatically. That gap then that that happened, happened between school and then late 20s for you. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's quite a common thread actually of many runners that I've had on many everyday runners were almost forced to do it in some way shape or form through team sports or yeah early in their life fall away then come back can I touch on the that epiphany sort of thing that light bulb moment did you yeah. know that at the time literally from run one this is it or was that more when you yes. stopped feeling sick in your mouth no yeah I, I knew it I knew it I knew that this was going to change something yeah it took a few more years to really kind of work it out but I knew I'd found something that was quite special that's powerful it, it really is yeah, yeah it's really powerful because my conversations again would suggest that it's completely personal that some people get it from run one the eureka moment this is going to be the thing whereas others are like hated their first run or usually because they set out too fast or they weren't prepared or you know they're trying to replicate straight out the door yeah. for a 5k in under 25 I mean, minutes I'm a, I'm a researcher, so I did a lot of research before I went out. I had a plan. I had a plan. Probably over-ambitious. You've touched on a couple of other pieces there that I want to come to. Community. This is something that probably, if anything, drew me to wanting to speak to you. It was all the intersections of people I've spoken to previously that you've been involved with. And as I started digging in, I'm like, oh, Bethan knows such and such that I've spoken to, Bethan. So we've had Emancipated Run Crew on. I had Nina and Jules from there. I had Pete Cooper from Cooper Running. And I am an ambassador for Lululemon in Glasgow. And all of these are just featuring your story. And I didn't know it's been a sort of domino effect. You run with Run Dem Crew, is that correct? Can you talk me through that relationship when the community sense of it started to build and how you got involved? So Run Dem Crew is an interesting one. I didn't come to Run, to run Dem until later. I mean, in the early part of my running career, I wasn't actually living in London per se. I was living kind of out in Surrey. I was in kind of a weird place with my relationship and things like being in a club or, or a crew just wasn't really going to work. Then after that, I was doing my master's part-time in the evening. So I just didn't have time to run with anybody really. And then... Towards the end of that, I started meeting more people and um, a friend I met on like a group run on Saturday on a Saturday that had been co-hosted with Rundam. She's now she's now a really good friend, but we didn't know each other. and We just got talking. She encouraged me to come along to something called Backpackers, which was a pace inclusive run. It was out of Lululemon Regent Street 
it was led um, by Liana D, who's an amazing woman. And it was an offshoot of Chasing Lights crew. So Chasing Lights was founded by Chevy Ruff, um, who's kind of OG run them. And you find a lot of these crossovers in crew yeah. culture, like in London, but also nationally and globally, everybody knows each other. Um, so I started going to backpackers and started going to Chasing Lights. Um, I was also being coached by Chevy. Okay. So a friendship formed there. And then along the way, he was kind of like, you should go to Random. They're, they're now at Brixton Street Gym. It's across the road from your house. You should go um, tell Charlie I sent you. And that was it. And I went along. I already knew a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't particularly intimidating for me to go along. I knew loads of people. In fact, I think some people were surprised I was new. I ended up getting my husband involved. He's now actively involved in the crew as well. And just over time, we we got really involved. At the moment, I don't make it to weekly runs. They're in East London and I have a two-year-old. The logistics aren't working out for me right now. You run when you're allowed to run. Yeah, I run when it's convenient for her. <laughs> um, and we still run every Saturday with people from Rundam at Parkrun. We still go along to the big events and make sure we're, we're there for them so London Marathon was huge this year my daughter actually ended up falling asleep in her backpack carrier in the middle of the dance floor at the after party I'm sure you would have been close <laughs> I was reasonably close I mean again because we've always brought her up around the community she knows everybody yeah so she'll get taken off by the running aunties yeah yeah, and yeah. kind of disappear. That, that's actually a nice segue. You go from running solo or loosely with, with people to a group. What's the difference? What what difference did that bring to your running into your life? The first time I trained for a marathon, um, when I was 29, yeah, 29, I actually ended up linking up with some other friends that I'd made through social media and we trained together. And that I noticed that did make a real difference to how I felt about yeah. running. It wasn't a chore. It was I was going to go for a run with my mates and go to brunch. It was also at that point in life a really good reason to get out of the house because, again, I was coming to the end of a relationship that just wasn't working. So I had that social element already. I think what's kind of emerged as I've got more involved in a specific community is the sense of kind of solidarity, celebration. We're a crew, we're not a club. So we don't think about pace or performance, yeah. although we have some people doing some amazing things. And that, for them, brings a lot of value to their running journey. We celebrate every achievement. We share experiences together. And that's really, it's, I think without that, I think I would still believe that running was for everybody and I would still be an advocate for pace, inclusivity and diversity in running. But that sense of shared experience and like very overt community and celebration, that means a huge amount to me. And like yeah. to the degree it's informed my parenting. That's kind of the community and, and the vibe yeah. I want my daughter no, I like to think Can about. I ask maybe a, p a potentially obvious question, but also maybe not to anybody listening, what does pace inclusive mean in that context for you of club running? Because it, I think my mind jumps straight to it's as slow as it needs to be, but that's probably quite a reductive way of thinking of pace inclusivity, whereas I think at the back of the pack. So I think pace inclusivity is a really interesting concept. Myrna Valerio came up with it, and she's one of the women doing the Further project with Lululemon. Um, she's very cool, well worth follow, doing amazing things for perceptions of what a runner looks like and what it is to be a runner. Um, she coined this phrase. I adopted it because I think it really captures what I'm trying to get at with running. The, the ultimate principle of pace inclusivity is that no runner gets left behind. Now, what that means in practice can look different in different scenarios. Yep. But the principle is all running is running, no matter how fast or slow. And we celebrate all running as running. So there's no kind of leaving people behind. And I guess I have a really good example of this is last week I went to a run group club thing. It was a press invite. And when we were gearing up to go out, they were like, okay, we're going to do like an easy run, be like a one hour 10K pace. Yeah. I was like, that's not easy. So, oh, well, you know, if you fall back, it's really easy route. So you need to follow it back. If anybody wants to go ahead... You know they can go ahead and fair there were clear terms of the the run they set out the run terms of what was going to happen clearly but for a run that's presented as easy that's not particularly a easy or b inclusive what i personally would have done would have been okay we have a back marker a front marker if you could stay behind the front marker and in front of the back marker we'll adjust the pace if you're if the front pack are going yeah. a little bit faster we do loops back you know we celebrate people coming in so again um at 
and then we do the tunnel of love stop i need to unpack that you do what you're saying that as if it's completely normal beth and let's go tell me what the that is of love. it's an arch you do an arch everybody puts that their arms up and as you come in you run through the cup right. you're saying that to me as if that's completely like part of everyday running experience i can tell you that's never happened to me before you're missing out next time you come to london we'll sort you out don't worry i think in terms of pace inclusivity and run clubs it's having clear expectations and it's thinking about what you're saying say Again, I've got a post in the works at the moment about um, a club that I saw that, again, said that easy pace. Actually, the five-minute kilometres they were saying was easy. That's way above average. That Even for some fast runners, that's actually not that That's important. quicker than my easy pace, and I would consider myself significantly quicker than the average. And I'm, I'm basing that on what I read of your post about average 5K times, and that's still much quicker than I would be running an easy pace. Yeah, so it's, it's thinking about your assumptions. It's thinking about the language that you use. It's thinking about the images that you present. So are you presenting diverse images, both men, women, race, body type, etc.? It's also thinking just because something's pace inclusive doesn't mean that you have to go the slowest. You can have pace groups. So at Backpackers, we had jog, joggy and joggier and things like that. Do you need yeah. a, run, a run, walk pace group? You know, actually, do you want to... Are you a performance-driven group? And there are performance-driven groups, yeah. and that's for the right people. They're fantastic. But then how are you advertising yourself? Are you advertising yourself as inclusive and open to everybody? Or are you saying, listen, we're looking for the people who really yeah. want to push it, who really want to go fast and are already at a point in their running career where they're, you know, in a pretty I think of, I, solid I think I fell foul. I think I fell foul of this on Saturday. Them. Um, so the podcast has gathered steam over the last few mm. months and we had a part run takeover, a podcast part run takeover. So we did all the volunteer roles on cool. Saturday at our part run and then we had a social run afterwards. That's the first of the kind that we've had. So the first time, and it was a lot of strangers, like people I hadn't met and some I did know. You can imagine the range of paces of people there was and I and I badged this. I'm just listening to what you're saying and thinking I badged this as a social run. We're in together, nobody left behind. The reality was, and I've not spoken to anybody that ran at it individually about it, it started to stretch between expectations of what easy running are are obviously so wildly varied based on how quick you run on a normal occasion. And I think I get caught halfway between of wanting to make sure that everybody got something from the run instead of sticking to the guns of we run together or but your idea about loops is a practical one that we actually use at the club are running and things so probably some things i would do differently the next time but it's very easy to get it wrong i don't like the first time so well back in the day i um i led for lily lemon out of covent garden and the first time i led a run i lost half the group at the back it was mortifying, but it's easily done. And actually leading and pacing social run groups is mm -hmm. a skill. It's different from club running. It's different from kind of performance running. It's different from going, okay, well, we'll have, you know, if you're feeling this pace, go in this group, if you're feeling this pace. It is different from that kind of leading and all abilities inclusive running group or run is a particular skill because you kind of got to temper those who might want to yeah. go off. You've got to look after those at the back. You've got to keep everybody safe and entertained. A lot of that comes down to how you advertise it. You know, you, if you, if you get the language wrong, then you're going to perhaps attract people who only want to sprint off and not every run is for everybody. Yeah. Like everybody has their own, like this this run I went to last week, it wasn't for me. For other people, they had a great time. Yep. For me, it wasn't for me. And I think there's embracing that diversity too. Yep. I think races have a role to play though um, in being clear and direct about things like cutoffs. Those cutoffs need to be based on actual statistics, not on um assumptions yeah. it's been so interesting seeing people's responses to my recent post about 5k times that one's that one's blown up uh, you know yeah. I, i've actually just just before we start just before you come on to this call i got a text um 
I want to actually read it to you. So I shared your post, I think yesterday. It was, it was yesterday. And I'm just going to read this to you. So somebody said to me, that's great. Um, even me being sub 30 minutes, I still feel that's not fast enough. This is from a, this is from a female runner. Sometimes the park run stats can make you feel a bit down. The percentage good for age or whatever is never good for me. Stupid really, as I know when I'm doing them, I'm just happily ticking over the miles. Funny how much the stats can steal joy from us. Now that's coming from somebody who just did 70k in the backyard ultra last week and yeah. an exceptional runner like she is and, and her yeah. growth has been just crazy to watch a former guest people will know who that is it, it's kaylee it's the happy diet her handle is she's just a fantastic human Send me being a similar message um, right so <laughs> okay so it's the same person yeah and i'm looking at kaylee and thinking Oh my goodness if you're if if you given what you're doing in your running are feeling about that about stats and time what is somebody just starting you know get into that world and I, i'm surrounded by a lot of people coming into the running journey but your article blew my own assumptions away i would never have get i would have said something around 25 minutes if me it, too yeah. me too you know i knew that the average part run was around 32 um, because Chrissy Wellington was quoted in an article that I contributed to recently um, saying it was about 32. But yeah, the 38 for women did actually surprise me, although once you boil it down, it shouldn't be that surprising. And the thing that I'm interested in next is the gap between men and women for 10k times is actually smaller. And I think my working assumption at the moment, based on what I know, this I haven't proved it, this isn't fact. This is your thinking out loud. This is my hypothesis at the moment, is that that might be because of attrition in women increasing their distances due to time, um, intimidation, etc. It's it's very interesting kind of being amongst, I, I recently paced the London ASICS 10K at the 130 um, time and it is interesting being amongst that group um a lot of people who they they would take for them it felt like a huge thing to be taking on and I think when you're already in the running community and you already see 10k as a, a bit of a casual you know that's that's a nice short run yeah sometimes forget that six miles is actually quite a lot you know an hour and a half out on the road can be quite intimidating for people so I wonder if there's some drop off there as well around the slower end of the runners, male and female, yep. who perhaps are going, oh, well, my time is like 40 minutes for mm-hmm. a 5K. I can't do a 10K. Yeah. Or the races look too intimidating to enter or oh, it'll take me forever. I won't be able to do it. Like, And they've not seen race results. If they go back and check last year's race results, I'm not seeing times that would be reflective of what they think they're going to do. Or images. Yeah. As well. I think the images are really important. Um, you know, seeing people who look like you performing like you. And it's one of I, I do some work with she races about start line equality. And it is one of the things that surveying runners puts people off. If runners are kind of if races are portrayed as being the toughest ever. Yeah. And, you know, it's all kind of wiry blakes and short shorts, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, I'm not wiry, so I'm not taking well. offence. Definitely, definitely the shorts but, are getting shorter, though. <laughs> um, but it's also, that's not necessarily representative of everybody. And there is absolutely a place for races are the toughest ever, as long as they're explicit about themselves. So, like, I'm not saying the spine race should suddenly, you know, be... present itself as soft and gentle, because it will never be soft and gentle. Yeah. But we're thinking about, you know, the accessible kind of mass participation events. You're, what are you saying about your event? Are, who are you showing as participants in your event? Who do you want to be participants in your event? And to be honest, if you only want really fast runners, be upfront about it. Yeah. Like I got into it recently with a race that advertised themselves as inclusive and for everybody and actually the cutoff time for the half marathon was two hours yeah which for the average woman 
in that country, it wasn't the UK-based one, but for the average woman in that country, that was faster. They did talk to me. They were quite defensive about it. They were like, oh, it's road cutoffs and logistics. And I was like, okay, that's fine, but just don't advertise it as inclusive. That's yeah. what your website's doing. And make your cutoffs clear. Yeah. Show, like, before people sign up, they need to know that they, you know, I'd be devastated. Like, my... I. I haven't done a two-hour half marathon since I was in my twenties. Yeah, that, that's that's a that's a really standard type goal for so many runners. That's not like outlandishly slow by any means. Nothing. It's not two hours for a half marathon is very respect. Like I don't want to say respectable, but it's 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 pacey. It's not. Yeah, it's no. It's it's a reach for yeah. a lot of people. See the five um, see the five k times that you that mm. on that post. Is that data taking into account the introduction of walkers into Parkrun? So that data was run repeat and then Runners World requested UK specific details. So it was shared originally by Runners World. Okay. Um, it's data, the data will be, I think, 2016 to 19. So it's pre COVID and pre the walker. Pre walker, yeah. But the time, the average time that Chrissy shared of just over thirty-two minutes is recent-ish. I think it's from twenty twenty. Yeah. Um. So that will come into it. The run repeat data obviously went beyond park run. Yeah. So it included non-park run races. For anybody who's not seen the post, uh, I have shared it ver- via, I think, my own um, account. I don't think I shared it ver- uh, through the podcast. I will, but I've got it on the screen at the moment. So the average 5K finish time in the UK is 33 minutes 54, just in case people haven't seen that. Um, so that pace is 6.47 minutes per kilometre or 10.55 minutes per mile. I would be shocked if anybody's not shocked by that. If that makes sense, because that yeah. is not the, the sort of narrative that, that comes through, the prevailing narrative. One of, yeah, one of my kind of thoughts around it is 30 minutes is something that a lot of people have latched on to. Although a 5K isn't actually three miles, it's a little bit more than three miles. We've latched on the idea of 5K being three miles, 30 minutes divided by three 10 minute miles. And so I know I've definitely done that in my head in the past. Yeah. And it's kind of, have we is it potentially that we've latched onto that idea? Um, it's also paces have got slower over time. So parkrun paces have definitely got slower. Overall paces have got slower. It's not a bad thing. It just is a sign that we're in- increasing inclusion in at least short distance running. Other distances are a different question. So it's kind of, it, that has a role to play. Are we looking back 10 years and thinking, oh, well, you know, also our own past performance Performance changes over time. Yes, you can get faster, but you can also get slower. And circumstances change. I think it does speak as well to attempts made at inclusivity in running as well, where but the front of the pack at Park Run, in my own experience, anecdotally, is that the front of the pack just keeps getting bloody faster. I see them. You know, our, our own home Park Run, the times I was running would have been top 10 two years ago. Now you're lucky if it's top 30, but the, the numbers have doubled at that park run on a, on a weekly basis, fast, flat course, yeah. people are coming through. Yeah. But looking at the first timers briefing, again, you do that volunteering thing and you see a whole different side of park run. Um, usually I'm standing relatively near the start. You do your run. I'm too busy gabbing and socializing to really see what's going on around me. But there I watched the first timers briefing. So many more people at a first timers briefing than I think I've ever noticed because I don't usually look for it. Um, so people rocking up to their very first one and I keep thinking how did you not know about Park Run before now but journeys are launching all the time so there's something positive happening there and what I see I suppose the difference between where you are Bethan is you talk about that run crew culture that that doesn't to my knowledge exist in Scotland to the same extent you know our diversity in population in terms of race ethnicity is very different population wise to begin with I think the bigger gap would be the impact of poverty on running, you know, on socioeconomic sure? inclusion. And it's a harder one to spot by the eye, but it's, yep. it is the work that I'm rooted in and I know what impact that can have. Oh, I totally agree. One of the things that I frequently find myself debunking is the idea that running is cheap and accessible. It, it's not no. at all. Like I, I once costed the basics from the Catalan. And that's their kind of 
pretty much most basic shoe that will see to a 5k but not much further although I have heard some people think they're amazing I think depends on your feet um basic sports bra basic kit came in about 100 quid now 100 quid is a lot of money and yes you could just throw on something that you happen to have around and run barefoot if you wanted to but from a kind of social perspective that takes a lot of yeah guts to do something like that that's not the social norm and you know you wouldn't necessarily want to be doing that around your local park you'd be marking yourself out as different and it's a very antithesis of the inclusion that we're talking about of feeling a part of something bigger exactly so it's a huge issue running shoes just keep getting more expensive like i know at the moment my husband needs new running shoes we're going to have to work out how to make that happen because actually that's money we don't have in our budget and it's this kind of constant thing of oh anybody can do it anybody can let put on a pair of trainers and run like yeah you can initially perhaps just wear your daps that you've got kicking around you can initially just wear your cotton t-shirt you've got in your drawer fine I mean that's how I started but as you progress and you want to do different things as you want to explore running culture which includes racing and you know all that type of thing how are you going to manage those situations there's also the challenge around other aspects of poverty impacting people's participation things like childcare things like transportation you know transportation if you're working a couple of jobs yeah energy but i think as a community of runners we really need to get a bit more wise to this about how we talk about it do see it with runners as well it's like you just it's that grind mentality I, i think it's quite a pervasive culture at the moment of you just have to want it yeah it's a kind of saying to women oh you just have to get up earlier oh you just need to do this oh you just need to do that and it's like yeah but have you looked at structural inequalities yeah have you looked at social issues? You know, have you looked at costs? Things like, oh, well, just go out with your buggy. It was actually to run safely with a buggy, you really need a running buggy for both you and your child's safety. A running buggy bought new comes in at least three hundred and fifty pounds. Yep. That's a luxury. It's like going to the moon for some families. It's that's how close it is and how tangible it is. Oh my god, yeah. And like, you know, if you're not putting food on the table, this is not going to be your priority. Yeah. And it's access schemes quite often ha- are quite short, short term because they're politically driven as well. And that that does create problems because you're measuring success against 12 weeks as opposed to someone's lifetime and and that type of thing. So it's, it's a huge area where I think particularly people who are privileged and you can be privileged, but still have hardships. Just to clarify that I always get pushed back when I talk about privilege. You have to look beyond your own experience. Yeah, yeah, and that can be that can be tough. It can be difficult to do if you if if you have no wider experience or, or things to draw on. But yeah. but you can see it on race lines. I, th- I think this is what drew me into your work deeper and deeper. There's a anecdotally again since taking up the ambassadorship with Lululemon and, and trying to work with some local running groups. There's an explosion happening right now in female only run groups of a social mm-hmm. nature in Glasgow, Edinburgh, some brilliant work groups mm-hmm. of 20, 30, 40 runners at a time, wider groups, but that's what they're getting in terms of turnout. And and I see it and I don't see the same for men's spaces. There's a focus on well-being, there's a focus on health, there's a focus on pace not being the driver, inclusivity. That's what's badged anyway on the front. I don't know about the practical experience. There's very little mm-hmm. in the way of that for males. But then I go to start lines of races because I race a lot, full of club runners, full of males, full of people that look like me, white ball guys. These groups are not always represented on lines. And that's, I think, where your work's starting to bridge that gap between what running's open to which category of people. Yeah, and it's also what races you go mm-hmm. to as well. So, like, you know, you're going to have a different experience at a race that's very much targeted at club runners yep. to a more community-focused race, for example. The cross-country series that's very much targeted at club runners is going to look different to a race for life, for Mm -hmm. example. Um, It's And also moving back of the pack. As you move backwards, the demographics... I'll see something different if I step back in. Yeah, yeah. If you you set yourself up to run last, you'd probably see something a little bit different. That's a good point. As well. Um, but I think a lot of it does come down to race environment 
and what how races position themselves so i work um as kind of event team for run three I've, I've known the company since it started and it's done really good things for for kind of increasing participation and diversity in running races and making races more accessible i do great work in warrington at the moment for example and have kind of spread around the country and i think a lot of that's down to the culture and community of that race series yeah. compared to some of the others which maybe feel a little bit more intense yeah no no i, I agree and maybe just the types of races i have sought and and that appear in because I'm in a club environment, that tends to be the type of things you get through. But that yeah. might be a good time to throw a different lens onto that because I am I'm want to keep this rooted in the everyday runner. And what types of organisations through your work are you encountering that are making a difference in that and actually taking the bull by the horns? Not to say they're the finished article, but who is making a fist of this? So I think there's a lot of grassroots people coming up, particularly uh, I'm biased because I'm in London. Yeah. And everything I do is based around London. Um, we joke that I rarely leave my place. It's quite a different scenario too, because it's so diverse. It's so big. It's so populated. I've noticed this through my conversations yeah. that it's, it has its own bubble. Yeah, it really is. And we have to bear that in mind. And I, I frequently remind people that, you know, somebody living in Middlesbrough with a couple of kids working is going to have a very different experience to somebody like me. Like, yes, I have a kid. Yeah. Yes, I work. But I work very flexibly, but, and yeah. I live in like properly in central London, and but, have have a particular experience. But it's a big demographic, though, Beth, and then actually we have a, a significant listenership in London. So even if we're speaking to there, who's making a fist of it there? Because if it can help one person, ten people, twenty people get involved, it'll be worth sure. it. So a lot of love for Black Trail Runners. They're doing an amazing job making the outdoors generally accessible um there is black girls do run so these are spaces that have grown up from grassroots um emancipated runners who you mentioned um there's lots kind of going on around crew uh the kind of crew environments obviously run them track and call um track east making track accessible run talk run which is run by my good friend jess she well she's been doing amazing work for years with their groups She's also launched Run Club Collective, which is kind of an exchange space for Run Club leaders, Yeah. which, again, they're having really interesting conversations. Uh, Camino, um, so Camino Ultra, they run ultra marathons and, and shorter trail races, actually, in London that are accessible. Yeah. They also have their Blue Ways Challenge, which is a 12-month kind of challenge with trail routes exploring the Blue Ways of London, which is super cool. Um, they are the friendliest, nicest people. Who else did I just Maverick race? I'm 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 really excited about Maverick because I actually finally managed to get to one of their races, even though I wasn't taking part in it myself last weekend. I, my husband did one down in East Sussex, and it was just such a nice environment. Yeah, it was really friendly, really inclusive, um, beautiful routes, really well organised without too much fuss. Um, they're doing interesting things. Their, their trail routes are accessible by rail, generally. Okay. So trying to allay some of the transport issue. Yeah, because that's a huge thing. Yeah. Like if you live in a city, particularly if you live in London, actually, like my brother lives in Glasgow and he's always off gallivanting because it's really easy to get out of Glasgow yeah. and get to the hills. If you live in Brixton, like I do, it's a bit of a mission to get out of London. Yeah. Like that's the the first part of the challenge, you factor in pretty much an hour to get out of the city before you even get going anywhere. Is there a, a danger in these types of groups that their success ultimately prevents race organisers having to be more inclusive? Because then it's it could be, oh, well, there's already a space there. So I was looking at something like uh, Black to the Trails, looked like a just an amazing event. Oh, so uh, just, good. Uh, and that was through Nina and Jules and <laughs> yeah. I saw Trojan in there, people that I've touched base with before. It just yeah. looked like a, a huge celebration of a day, carnival type atmosphere. Yep. It really focused on runners. How do you bridge the gap then between an event like that and well, how do we get some of those runners into historically quite fast middle class type races? 
I think the guys over at Black Trail Runners are doing quite a good job at that. So um, right, that's interesting that it was start, you're starting to see that bridge. That's good. Yeah. So like um, Black Girls Do Run had a lot of race, races take part in Race to the Stones. Okay. And actually Race to the Stones have been quite open to groups like that going in and doing kind of a mass participation run them. Sarah Walsh's group uh, did the same with women a few years ago now. Um, and they've been good about facilitating groups going in on mass um to make statements yeah i think black to the Tra- like black to the trails was a, an amazing day it was really fun i haven't talked to them about this but i don't think they have any plans to make a race series yeah. i think it's more to say come in a safe space to enjoy and experience the outdoors yeah it could be somebody's first time trying it yeah yeah it's a, almost a gateway it's a gateway drug to it was, it was a tail gateway and it was it was great it was like it was it was exactly as you described it's carnival atmosphere it's incredibly friendly uh it was a huge social day out like we had the dog we had the yeah. kid oh it looked amazing it, it, it just was, like it was, i had fomo just looking at the pictures of it and this is why i believe in in kind of women only races as well is because in sport if you take men out of the equation and unfortunately sport has emerged as a masculine domain it is still quite protected as masculine if you kind of take men from the equation you can attract women who might not otherwise have felt confident enough to go into that space but then it turns into as you say a gateway drug yeah it's like yeah i did that i can do it i've got the confidence now to go and be the odd one out whatever that means to you on a different start line it's something i want to use my ambassadorship to keep picking away at how do you make a practical impact and you know i don't have the research background in it i don't want to go down a research route and i understand in our environment in scotland it means something and looks different but the same issues Mm. are still there so we've got some oh yeah we've got some things in the works um potentially to do a sort of diversity series within the podcast specialized episodes maybe in lululemon shop and just there's some there's some brilliant groups doing some brilliant things it's just to shine a light on the good work already going on rather than recreating the wheel can i ask about your own running i want to segue into two things one your relationship with cooper i'm just interested personally how that came about and your london marathon experience because i'm doing london in 2024 so i'm interested in how do you how you came about to be working with cooper and what was that day like for you yeah keeper approached me okay full disclosure i know jordan pretty well we run in the same circles not literally because she would outrun me by a country mile but um she knew that I'd had a baby she knew that I'd been the context my pregnancy was very complicated I had an emergency c-section um everybody was fine but it took me quite a long time to recover I'd secured a ballot place for London Marathon a few years ago but I was pregnant when I got it I deferred it um and I was due to run in the October 22 um but a complication from my surgery meant that I wasn't going to be able to do it and to be honest the time frame was just too tight it was around the same time that the pregnancy deferral policy had changed with London Marathon to be three years and London Marathon were very generous in allowing me to defer a second time and Jordan knew all this story and she was looking for a collection of runners who were doing interesting things to come on as ambassadors for Cooper. Yeah. And the the, organi- the company resonates with me. I like that it's small, it's very personal. When you use Cooper, it's like you know who's coming back to yeah. you. Um, the Refugee Run Club initiative, the races that they partner with and work with are generally organisations that I I respect um I'm quite discerning about races and and that type of thing so they approached me and we decided it would be a really great fit uh so I started training with them and using the app for my London training for me it was great because it was really flexible yeah. I could move so, everything around so. I I'm a a weekday long runner because weekends I do other things so I could make that happen there were a couple of blips in my training which we just couldn't make time work for me to get out and train I got lots of reassurance and support around managing that and then yeah it got me to to London Marathon confidently and I had a really really good day 
I'm not going to ask you about your time. I'm just wanting to know about your experience. <laughs> it was amazing. I had such a good time. Like my pacing was on point. My nutrition was on point. The weather was perfect for me, which admittedly I like drizzles, but that's me. The miles just flew. I just felt so confident and so happy. And I just loved it. Is that the biggest marathon you've done in terms of, is that the first world major? That's that's the only major okay. I've done. Um, so it was special. It's my hometown. Yeah. I've only done one like, marathon before, so I'm I'm doing this one. I'm uh, doing this one as a charity place, and I I just I can't wait. I feel so lucky to be involved. Oh, it it was absolutely just unbelievably good. Yeah. Like, I loved it. It was really really special. Like my mum came down. I managed to see like my mum, my husband, my daughter at, at various points. Obviously, mile twenty one, which is random cruise cheer spot was really special um saw various friends along the way it was just like I just had the best day I felt so good I felt I I think I had another 10k in the pack in the tank at the so end can I have that just in case then because when <laughs> I did my first one in May there I think I was about 10k short of what I hoped I would be not through my training my training was on point with Cooper but we got a really hot day really really hot day yeah it was so tough yeah hot day I can't like I I mean I'm, I'm really open about it I take medication for um mental illness and that medication makes me so sensitive to heat yeah. that hot weather I think if I had a marathon that coincided with the hot day I'd probably have to DNF well, it was it was tough I mean the last I don't even remember the last six eight nine k but it was like 18 oh. 19 degrees after training through the winter it was just oh, it was, it was tough I mean brilliant to have finished a marathon but I'm looking forward to something different in London where just everything that goes with it the pomp the ceremony what it means. I you know what? I didn't think I'd be into it. And then I went to the expo with some friends and we were just all so the excited. Get the, get the jacket, get the t-shirt. It was like Disneyland for runners. <laughs> we were just like so excited by everything. Did you do the, Did you go and find your name and point it? And did you do everything? Did you complete tourist in your own hometown? Of course I did. It was amazing. And then like, obviously it is like, a huge deal for our crew we were hosting bridge the gap which is where running crews from all over the world get together and so we had runners from everywhere who'd come to run london marathon and random crew were hosting we took them out for a really lovely shake out run kind of do a bit of sightseeing hang out like loki came with me which was hilarious um we had an after party in a bar and that was just really fun with like various people DJing you know it was we did sign making we we made a weekend of yeah. it just so special and like, I've been at mile 21 cheering for years yeah and like my my daughter's now done three mile 21s and it was just like yeah. Some, something oh very special God. for you with it being your hometown and being involved in that running scene because all of that post-celebration that is your own area that's you're not having to run and then get home and get away again yeah, so it's also, um, I was reminded by a friend on this day, two years ago, I was in hospital. Yeah. And I was very, very poorly. I had preeclampsia. Okay. Um, and some other complications, I had a lot of complications in my pregnancy. And I was talking to my midwife, um, Vicky, about running. And through my whole pregnancy, the goal had been that once my baby was born, I was going to run London Marathon and take a picture with my baby at the finish line. Two years later, I emailed my doctors with that picture and was like, it happened. Yeah. That was my whole goal yeah. through this pregnancy. And like my daughter's got a little future London Marathon runner t-shirt. And my whole goal was to kind of be at the finish line with my baby wearing that t-shirt it was just so special being able to like email my consultant and kind of say it happened yeah Do you remember that's this? Cool. And, and they did like i looked back on my pictures a, a year ago tomorrow i've got a picture of me in hdu a nice marker for how far you've come but also a stark reminder of just some of the challenges along the way yeah. can, can i ask about your plans for your own running moving forward i know you're not a million miles away from publication of your thesis um that's like that's yeah. in the not too distant future is that right very very close future um, does that mean running's <laughs> going to be second place for a little while 
Yeah, so I kind of promised my husband that I wouldn't sign up for any races or tra well, train for any races. While... You don't even look like you believe that when you're saying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been pretty good so far. Yeah, I, I basically, we, we reached an agreement that I would not train for any races until my thesis is in. And I'm done with that because it's so time consuming. And when I'm training for something, he he actually picks up a lot of the, yeah. the life stuff. We take it in turns to train quite often because otherwise yeah, it just are, wouldn't We be are the same. It's the only way we can do it with our young family. Yeah, and particularly as I do distance, mm -hmm. I need a lot of time for that, which means he does a lot more of the, the home stuff and then we kind of switch around. I'm due to submit mid-October. That's really soon. Yeah. <laughs> Terrifyingly close. Uh, but then after that, I'm going to get back to it. I really want to go and do one of the Maverick races after last weekend. I want to get out there myself. And then next year, I'm muttering about 50k next autumn. Nice. That would be good, but I don't know what my work situation is going to look like. I don't know what life's going to look like generally. Yeah. So I'm, but I've got tail, tail got 50k rather than road. I would probably do one of the Camino routes, which is kind of canal. Yeah, it's, yeah. Trail so pretty flat. And what about uh, yeah. the hopes for your, your work in terms of influencing policy practice? What What's the hopes there? I really love the work that I do around advocacy. I don't see me stopping that. It would be amazing if I could find a way to turn it into paid work. Yep. That would be really good. Um, I would love to kind of work around diversity inclusion in running sport policy type stuff. I'm, I'm very well placed for that given my background there's a lot of brands out there really starting to get their act together on this front so ho hopefully hopefully you're not short of suitors when the word gets out that you're on the hunt i i want to be in the running space yeah and i want to be in the the kind of thinking about how we change running thinking about how we develop running and how we get as much as possible from it i i don't i think sometimes people misunderstand my perspective and think that I want to do away with fast running or make all, all races. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I don't get any, I don't get any sense of that at all. There's, there's plenty of advocacy for running fast. You know, actually the people that are driven by it, I, I am one, I, I'm driven by time. Not, I'm not yeah. front of the pack, but I'm driven by time. I love the competitive bit, yeah. running replaced football. And you know, there's no apologies for that. I'm just driven by a different yeah. thing. I get something, but we yeah. don't need advocates. I think your work's essential, important. I hope you keep doing what you're doing. And there's that, like I said, I see a lot of hope for brands getting their act together with it. Race organizers, Cooper, people like Cooper and what yeah. they do, it's implicit in their work. It's it's actually explicit in a lot of their work, which is just amazing to see. Um, Even by having someone like me as an ambassador yeah. for Cooper, it's explicit. I want to finish off the episode with you the way that we finish off with all guests we have a quick fire round and then i'm going to ask you for a question i'm not going to ask you about a time when you're running i promise i'll just look that up myself <laughs> i'll look the results up and check for myself but we do a quick fire set of questions i don't want you to spend too much time thinking about it just whatever rolls off the top of your head on your marks get set go! favorite running shoe of all time oh asics Jonimus. favorite training route I've got a weird one through Ruskin Park and King's College Hospital. Not through the hospital. I hope you mean around the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right much. down the corridor. Sometimes I nip in, but it's a good, good M&S. <laughs> right down the corridor. It's a, a Strava segment. Um, yeah. Proudest running moment? London Marathon. Favourite podcast, running or otherwise? Oh, this is such a hard question. I really like Tortoise Media. So their slow newscast is really good. And I've recently got very into a podcast of, called Antisocial with Adam Fleming on um, BBC. Okay. Is that on BBC Sounds? Really yeah. Okay. I'll link to both of them in the episode description so people can find them. Worst race or running experience? Good question. I've had hardest, but I've not had worst. I'll take hardest. Hardest was the speed project. Go to pre-long run meal. So what? how are you feeling before you go out in your long run? Toast, usually. For a three-hour run? How much toast can one person consume? I like to run a long way, <laughs> and I like the fact that I get to take snacks. Ah, so you're, you're a snacker <laughs> on the way. Right, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could run alongside yourself as a beginner runner, what advice would you give? I would tell myself that the plan that I was using had me running too much volume, and I'd, I would get injured. 
one inspirational Instagram profile you never skip by? I love my friend Jess. She's always got something insightful to say. So Jess um, Robson. Is that the handle? Run, talk, run. Run, talk, run. I'll check her handle. She's just an awesome person and she's so reflective. Jessica Mary Robson. Run with or without music? Podcast. I run with a podcast or a book. Yeah, that's becoming more and more a common answer. The further in that we get, I, I listened to a great. I listened to a, um, a great book through London Marathon about the COVID crisis. Because what life's not depressing enough when you're trying to run twenty odd miles. It was really interesting. <laughs> time and a place, Beth, and time and a place. Uh, favorite park run? Oh, uh, Swansea Bay. I press play and run because. It makes me happy. One final order of business. We always finish off by asking the guest to pick a track for our running playlist on Spotify. I could have warned you in advance. I should have warned you in advance, but I didn't. So this would be a song that would be a go-to in a moment of like, I need something. I need that. Okay. So the song, I'm just looking on my most played at the moment. And this is variable, but I really like Dancing as he- Healing by Rita Mantle at the moment. That's a great song. Yeah, music is very big in my house because I married a DJ. So it's it's a thing. Um, so look, it gets talked about a lot, uh, but that is mine. And I'll probably get a small degree of abuse from my husband about Not it. Not when he sees the rest of the playlist you want. I've thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. Could talk about diversity and your work all day it's right in the sphere of things i'm interested in as well but also i hope what people do is go click on have a look because as a runner just as an everyday runner as well the what you do is inspirational let just you have a different element to that with all the research but um i don't want the running getting lost in that picture i really appreciate you giving your time up to do this i think you are as i said right in the wheelhouse of the kind of people i want to put in front of everyday runners just to challenge perspectives so thank you so much Bethan. absolute pleasure i i love talking about my work so it's it's always nice to have an opportunity to do that Thank you to you, the listeners, for joining us for another episode of the Press Play and Run podcast. You can really help to support the podcast by subscribing or following on your podcast platform of choice and by leaving a review. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Press Play and Run Podcast and to add the Press Play and Run playlist on Spotify. We'll be back every two weeks with new episodes and please be sure to keep an eye on our Instagram page to find out which guests will be joining us. Until then, keep getting the trainers on. Press play and run.